Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas Greenway talks about rethinking your past at United Night and about how we are all shaped by our past. We look at Moses' story in Exodus 2 and 3 and how God loves to take people's stories that seem unredeemable and use them to bring Him glory. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, what's up, guys? Good night so far? Yeah? You look great. You got your, uh, your retro, your throwback clothes on. I love it. You look, you look so beautiful tonight, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, my name is Dallas. I am the middle school pastor here. That's why I'm five foot two and a half, okay? Uh, so I can relate to middle schoolers a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, that means if you made it to five foot three, you have already passed me. That's uh, one of your big accomplishments in life, all right? So hey, I do come bearing gifts, all right? Uh, not like the giveaway gifts, but maybe more for your entertainment, for your like snap a picture of it and, you know, remember it forever. Uh, it, it is in the form of old pictures of me, okay? So I have, I have three pictures and uh, I want you to focus on the hair change in these pictures, okay? Um, admittedly, not my best moments when it came to my hair. Maybe you're thinking, well, you're still living in not your best moment. That's fine, okay? My wife loves it, and so I- I'm going to keep it for her. But let's see the first one. This is when I had a, a bowl cut is what we call that. Yeah. Dude. Look at that, man. So I have, I have a three-year-old son and an 18-month-old, okay? So, so the 18-month-old has no idea what he's looking at. And honestly, nobody does, really, when we look at this picture. But the three-year-old looked at this picture. Owen looked at this picture today and laughed and said, Daddy, look at your hair, right? Like, oh, man, that is a thing of beauty. So some of you, like, hear the term bowl cut, but maybe you can't associate what does that actually look like. That's what a bowl cut looks like, my friends. So... Look at that throwback. This was a school picture, um, and I, I guess they made us cross our arms for a school picture. That seems a little off. Uh, how many of you in here had a bowl cut? Anybody? Thank you. Shelly? Yes. I was thinking, any ladies that had a bowl cut? Yes, I see a few of you. Love it, love it. So I, I had a bowl cut. This was uh, definitely in elementary school, right? And uh, man, just... Just would you look at that? Would you look at that, right? Uh, All right, this next picture is from middle school. My wife said, hey, when I said that you could take a picture of it, my goodness, how many phones are out right now? Uh, So my wife said, this doesn't even look like me, but that's me. I think it's because of how skinny I was. It's just, there's a whole nother person underneath all that, right? Just waiting to be unleashed. So this is a school picture as well from middle school. I think this was was eighth grade year. No, it had to be eighth grade year. And look at that. I chose of all the things to wear. I mean, that's really what's, that's the inner me right there on my shirt, right? That that football shirt, this jacked, like Hulk looking dude, drop the hammer. Uh, He looked, that's right. He looks like me. Thank you. I don't know who said that, but I appreciate it. But this is where I thought it would be really great. And my hair is incredibly thick. Okay. I was telling somebody about this earlier today. I was telling Easton Sewell. It's so thick. Guys, it was, it was super sweaty underneath that sheepdog hair. Right. Uh, But it it got long. It like started to curl. And uh, here's what I looked like in my football uniform with said long hair and, and no glasses on. Right. So probably what somebody needs to do is like 
crop my face with the hair on some of these, right? And just move, or maybe crop the hair and move it on my current my current face. I think that would be really really funny. So th- those are my gifts, and do whatever you want with them. Gifts with a T on the end of that, by the way. Uh, but I guess you can make a gift. I don't know. Um, so have you ever had a haircut or uh, a clothing decision that you look back on now and you're like, what was I thinking? Have you ever had one of those things? Yeah, a few of you. A few of you. Here's what I want you to do. Let's, let's stick with haircut. Turn to your neighbor and tell them about like your worst hair, uh, haircut memory, okay? Your worst hair debacle. Turn to your neighbor and share that with them real quick. All right, give the other person a chance to share if they haven't already. Give them a chance to share. Tag me on Instagram. Oh, great. (laughs) This is going up. Throwback pictures. So I can remember another time, and there's no, there's no camera, like, uh, photo footage of this, but I remember another time. This is how bad it was with my hair. I, I be, it, for a while, I became really insecure about my hair, and now that I have a wife, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm no longer insecure about my hair because it's like, hey, do you like it? Okay, well, we're fine. Uh, that's just part, part of, of marriage. At least it's been that way for me. So if you're really insecure about your hair, get, get married. Uh, just kidding. That's not exactly how it works, but... Uh, maybe there's something in the Bible about that. Probably not. Probably not. But uh, I can remember one time it was at the Great Clips. I think it's still there. A Great Clips at Verde and Lawrence Road. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's like an olive garden right there. All right. I had never been to this Great Clips and never went back in my life. Okay. But, but I went to Great Clips like the whole time growing up. Um, and and we, we were at this Great Clips. My mom uh, took me there. I think I wanted to be really, really cool. And so I, I said, hey, don't come in with me, right? Like one of those situations. And she was like, are you sure? Are you sure, honey? Like I, I was in middle school. This was during the long hair phase. I was like, I got this, mom. I got this. I'm just going to have them shorten it up. And if you've ever had long hair and tried to shorten it up, but you didn't want to go all the way, you know that it's really easy to shorten it up and immediately be in the awkward phase. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's an awkward phase, maybe not for girls, maybe it's different for girls, but for guys where like it just looks all kinds of terrible. And I'm sitting there like really, really nervous that it's going to end up that way. And sure enough, like I, I, she turns me around. I put my glasses back on because I'm pretty much blind without my glasses. And I look at my hair and I am horrified, right? But I'm a people pleaser. I'm a people pleaser. And so she's like, hey, what do you think about this? Do you like, you know, what I've done with your hair? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. So my mom had given me some money. And so I go and I pay for it and I get in the car and I just start crying, right? Like middle, middle school Dallas just starts crying. And my mom's like, honey. And she turns around and she sees my hair and she's like, oh, right? Like, 
There's no need to ask why he's crying. And, and I was like, my mom said, you know, do you want to go back in? Do you want to have them fix this? I was like, no, no, right? Like, I can't, I can't go in sobbing. I can't go in. Like, I, I was so confident. Like, I knew I was going to do with the hair. And uh, we get all the way back home. And my mom's like, I'm just going to call Great Clips. And so she called him. They completely understood. She drove me all the way back. We got it way shorter than I ever intended, and I, I don't think I've grown my hair out that long since, right? Uh, but the crazy things that we do with our hair, with our clothes, and, and for what? Because a lot of times we look back, I'm probably going to look back on my current hairstyle and uh, my current clothing choices in 10 years and think, what was I thinking? What was I doing? There's, there's a lot of things, if we're honest, that took place in our past, that happened in our past, the choices that we made, whether about our wardrobe, our hair, or, you know, this could go, go much, much deeper than that, right? There's a lot of things in our past that if we could do over, if we could make a, a different choice, if we could, like, rewrite how that went in our story, there's things that we would change, right? And maybe some of it is silly, like our hair or our clothes, uh, or maybe it's like how much time you spent playing a certain video game, right? Or uh, maybe it's your choice of books. Like you look back and you're, you're like, I spent how much money on Junie B. Jones books, right? Like, or, uh, or, or maybe it's uh, an amount of time that you spent watching a TV show only to come to the end of it and you're like, that was so lame. Like that was not worth the 20 hours I put into this show. Well, for some of us, it's like 120, right? But, but then there's things that are, are past too that's like way, way deeper than that. And we're, we're just going to get straight into it, right? This message, in fact, is called Rethinking Your Past, all right? High school has been in a, se- a series called Rethinking. And so they've, they've talked about some different topics. This one is Rethinking Your Past. And as soon as I said that, I already heard a few, oh, this is not where we want to be going, right? Because deeper than just appearance or choices of how we have chosen to spend our time, there's things that we've done and said to and with friends that, for being honest, we wish we could have taken that back. There's things that we've done and, and said or, or thought when it comes to our boyfriend, girlfriend, guy, girl relationships that we wish that we could have done different, wish we could take back. There's things when it relates to our families, right? Like maybe it's not even things that we did, but it was things that happened among, amongst other family members that we wish we could take back. We wish we could write it over and write it very different from how it's shaken out up to this point, right? We could go on and on and on, but, but you and I both know, I'm not necessarily saying that you have regrets, but... I know for me, there's many things in my life that if, if I could do it over, I would definitely do it different than I did the first time. And part of the reason that we're talking about this re- rethinking your past is because your past really is important. Maybe even as I'm talking about, hey, so, so maybe the, here's some things that you, you wish that you could have done different. You're like, yeah, but, but now I'm so like far removed from that that like it doesn't even affect me now, Right? Or like my, my parents have been divorced for so long that like I'm, I'm over that. Here's the first thing I'm going to tell you about your past. Is that your past very much shapes your present. And if you continue to let it, your, your past very much shapes your future. Your past shapes your present. So who you are now, where you are now in life, the things that you're into, all of it has been influenced by 
your past in some way, shape, or form. So what, what do we do with our past? Because for some of us, there's things that like, it's not really my past I wish I could change, but it's what I'm going through right now that I wish I could change. Or it's what I just said or did yesterday that I wish was different. Or right before you came here or what you're planning to do tonight. The, the things that you're getting into right now, you're like, I, I, wish, I wish I could change those. You're feeling the very real effects of your past right now. So what do we do with that? What can we do with that? Does the scripture talk at all about that? And uh, encouragingly enough, it very much does. In fact, one of the big themes of the Bible is God taking someone's dirty, nasty, I don't want to share this with anybody, I don't want to even go back to it and remember it, I've tried to block all of those things out, taking that kind of past and making something beautiful out of it. God's in that business. He does it over and over again in the scriptures. He's done it over and over again with many of us here in this room. And maybe for somebody tonight, he wants to do that or at least start that journey in your life and in your heart today. So we're going to be looking at a story, just like a fly overview, because it's a big old story of this guy named Moses, right? So turn back. We are in, in a retro-themed night, so we're going to go back to the Old Testament, to Exodus, the second book of the Bible, and you can turn to Exodus chapter 2, right? Exodus chapter 2. Here's some things as we look at Moses. Here's some, some big points. I'm just going to give you the whole message straight up, and then you can listen if you, if you follow along, and you'll see this fleshed out. Here's some big three things about your past that we're going to see in Moses' life. The first thing is this. Your past does not, and maybe this is all the good news that some of you need, does not have to define you. Number two, you do have to deal with your past. And number three, God wants to use your past. Your past does not have to define you. You do have to deal with it. We'll talk about what that means. God wants to use it, though, for his glory, right? So here we've got, we've got this dude, Moses, right? And Moses comes into, we're going to give a little bit of background, give a little bit of Moses' past, kind of set up the story so you can see where Moses is and get a clue about what your past actually, uh, actually means, right? Like what, what is included in my past? Is it just the things that I've done? It, I think it's a little bit more than that. So here is Moses. He comes into uh, or onto the scene in ancient Egypt, right? And he was, he was a Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew, one of God's people. And the, the scenario, the situation, the circumstances that Moses was born into was essentially he should have been born and immediately killed. Here's why. Hebrews, the, the people of God, were under the rule and reign of Egypt, and specifically under the rule and reign of the Pharaoh at the time, the, the king of Egypt, right? And the Pharaoh started to realize he had all of these Hebrews enslaved. Literally, they were, were building things for him. They were doing all the hard labor so that the Egyptians did not have to. And, and he started to realize that the Hebrews were, were a pretty, like, potentially powerful people. That they kept multiplying. They kept growing. There kept being more and more of them. And, and Pharaoh realized if they ever got wise... And they really thought about it. They could, if there were enough of them, they could partner with a neighboring nation and, and actually take down Egypt. That was the Pharaoh's thought process. So he said to the people who were working the slaves, he said, hey, drive them harder. Make them go harder. Let's work them to the brink of death. 
And so he tried, and, he, and they tried, and they, they made the Hebrews work harder, God's people work harder. But as they worked harder, and as maybe even more of them were dying, their numbers actually grew. Pharaoh tried to stamp out the people of God, but if you've ever tried to like put out a match in a, in a, in a dry space with a bunch of wood around, it just, it spreads, right? Wildfire just spreads. And that's what was happening with the Hebrews. Actually, side note, that's what's happening in the world right now. I don't know if you realize this, this is like completely separate from the message, but, but the church in China is exploding, even in intense persecution. We hear so much about, oh, the American church is dying, the white church is dying. We see thousands of churches in America literally closing their door every single day. But all around the world, in China, in other Asian countries, in Iraq, in Iran, in Africa, the church is exploding and it's amazing. As some people think that they're stamping out the church, stamping out the people of God, we're actually growing like wildfire. And it isn't dependent on us. It isn't dependent on just our church and how we do church and, and even the church in America surviving at all. It's what God's up to. It's what the Holy Spirit's doing and it's amazing. You guys seriously should look into it. He's reaching people through dreams. He's reaching people through visions. He's reaching people through house churches in China. There's an estimate that by 2040, half of China, this is crazy, half of China could be Christian. And yet you don't hear anything about it. Yeah, half of a billion people. In, in communist, Ch yeah. Yep. That, man, I wish we could talk more about that. Okay, so. Moses, born in this, Pharaoh's trying to stamp people out. He tries to do it by working them harder. Doesn't work. They just keep having more babies, keep multiplying, keep getting bigger. So here's what he says. We're going to kill the babies. He literally uh, takes a couple, couple ladies and says, hey, you're going to go and you're in charge of killing Hebrew babies. And ultimately, his first attempt at this did not work. So he tries it again. He says, we're going to kill, uh, we're going to kill male babies. And this is a situation that Moses is born into. We're going to kill a bunch of male babies. Moses was a male. And so if you're seeing how this is setting up, then it's setting up for Moses to be killed. And that's where we find our, our story right here, right? Moses set up to be killed, but here's, here's what happens. His mom says, as soon as they have the baby, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to put him in the water. That's what uh, Pharaoh was asking them to do. Literally throw baby boys into the Nile River and let them die there. Let them drown there. And Moses' mom says, that's not how this is going to work with this baby. So she puts him in a basket, sets him in the Nile. She throws him in the Nile, like Pharaoh said, but with a basket underneath. And he floats downstream and is found by Pharaoh's daughter. And now Moses... For, for the first part of his life, is raised, this is just how God works, right? Is raised in Pharaoh's household. So he's got like the best food and the best clothes, the best education. He's got like all of the best things. And somewhere in there, Moses' family was actually a part of raising him, right? So you got this Hebrew guy, one of God's people who should have been dead, now in Pharaoh's household, getting like the best of the best of everything and as he gets older, he starts to maybe get a little more curious about his people, right? He, he sees them maybe from afar, and this is one of the moments where he like actually steps in to be close with them, steps in to observe them. And Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 is where we find another piece of Moses' uh, interesting past, right? Verse 11 says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, to the Hebrews, 
to the Hebrews, and he looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people, right? It's interesting to see like who he identifies as his people. Even though he spent so much of his early years in life in Pharaoh's household, he still says, these are my people, the, the Hebrews are still my people. Verse 12, he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And this guy answered, who made you prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well, right? So another part of Moses' past, all these are piece of his past. He, he kills a guy. He's a, he's a murderer. And sometimes it's like, well, wasn't he doing the right thing? Like here's this Egyptian and here's this Hebrew and he's trying to protect his people, but he still, he killed a guy. And maybe he was, he was able to justify it in, in his mind. Uh, maybe he thought nobody, uh, apparently he thought nobody would find out, right? Because he hides the body and he just goes out the next day. Like nothing ever happened. But word is spread. The people know his actions, maybe you can relate to this, have gotten out a lot quicker than he ever intended. In fact, they got out, period, right? Moses maybe thought that this would never get out, that nobody would ever find out, and all of a sudden, the first people seemingly that he comes across, they're in a fight. It's two of, now of, of two of his people, a Hebrew and a Hebrew, and they're fighting, they're arguing, they're starting to hit each other, and Moses tries to break it up, and they say, who are you? Are you going to murder us too? Are you going to murder me too? Here's part of what, what I want you to understand about your past is that your past is made up of what you have done, what has been done to you, and what has been done around you. The first two are pretty easy, right? What, what, what you have done. Your past is made up of the choices that you make, uh, the, the things that, that, you've, that you've done, the things that you put your, your, your hands to and your feet to and your words to, but it's also made up of the things that have been done to you, Right? It's made up of the things that family members and, and friends and, and teachers and neighbors and, and, and coaches, and it's made up of, of what everyone has done to you as well. But then it's also made up of what has been done around you, and here's where your culture comes into play, and here's where the, the circumstances that Moses was born into come into play. It's all of those things, right? So it's us being born in America during this time. Uh, we're, we're here because of the past that, that has been in, in America. It's the things that have been done to you, by you, and around you. That is your past, and that was Moses' past as well. So Moses runs from the situation. He actually runs to another land. He runs out of Egypt so that Pharaoh wouldn't find him, and he's gone to this place called Midian for 40 years. He runs from it all. He runs from maybe at this point what, what he was identifying with, how he was, how he was labeling himself or how he was feeling labeled by other people, right? He runs from being known as a murderer. He runs maybe from being known as a traitor. Th think about this, like there's something really miraculous about, well, Moses floats down the river and then is found by Pharaoh and then it gets raised with the best of the best around the best of the best. But if you're one of the people who lost a brother or lost a son, who, oh, oh, that baby didn't die? 
all of our babies died, I'm not sure that everyone would have loved the fact that Moses ended up in the situation that he did. And so because of the things that were done by him, to him, and around him, there's all of these labels that potentially he was buying into. Have you ever been there? That because of your choices or the choices of somebody else or just the circumstances that you find yourself in, you start to be identified in a certain way. Have you ever been there? Like, oh, you're the girl who did that with so-and-so. Or in your own mind, you're like, hey, I'm the person who's trapped in this sin and I'm never going to get out. Or, wow, you're, you're part of that family? That's your last name? Have you ever found yourself being identified by other people or identifying yourself with certain labels? I think that in some ways that's where Moses was. He, he had a past that was shaping, influencing his present. I think that most of us can probably relate. So Moses is there for 40 years, 40 years in Midian. Run away from the labels and, you know, probably by, probably by this time, like, he's probably resigned, like, hey, this is, this is going to be my new home. This is where I'm going to live out the rest of my lives. He gets married and, you know, starts a family and all this stuff. And he's probably decided, like, man, I'm so far away now from my past that there's no way that it can catch up to me. Pharaoh hasn't found me yet. In fact, that Pharaoh actually died while Moses is in Midian, so don't really have to worry about that anymore. And, and don't, don't we do this with our past? We think that, well, well, if I can just block it out for long enough, or, if, or if, if I can just get away from the people who know that thing about me, or if I can just not go back to that sin for long enough, eventually it's just going to be gone. It's going to be dealt with, right? We do that. We do that. But we're about to find out that Moses is actually going to still have to face his past. He's still going to have to deal with it in some way, shape, or form. And God's actually the one who invites that. All right, let's look at Exodus 3, verses 1 through 6. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law and Jethro, uh, father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Remember, I told you he got married, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, uh, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, "I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned?" And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, Moses, or God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Something incredible happened here. Moses has run away again from Egypt. He's had all of these labels, all of this baggage. He thinks that he's gotten away from it, but somewhere it's deep down in his heart. And if he's ever confronted with it, man, what would it do to him? And he finds himself in this place before, before God, before this burning bush, before an angel of the Lord, right? Like, isn't this when you would think some of that stuff would start to get rumbled up within him? Like, Oh no, what, what's about to happen? Like, not, not only am I, am I afraid to look, like I've heard stories about that, maybe Moses is thinking, but 
But, but what's going to happen? What's going to be unearthed? What's going to be brought out b- before me? What's going to be brought out before, before God? Have you ever felt that with God? Like, man, I hope that he never brings that up. I hope that God never puts me in a situation where I have to talk about that with somebody. I hope, I hope, I hope, and yet Moses is faced with that very situation, but look how God responds. Moses, Moses. He doesn't call him murderer. He doesn't call him traitor. He doesn't call him coward, right? He ran away from all of these things. He doesn't call him coward. He doesn't call him by any of those labels. He calls him by his name, Moses. Some of us are so afraid to face God with our sin. But I'm telling you, if you bring it before him, he will welcome you with open arms. He already knows it. He's already seen it. He's already heard it. He knows, he knows how broken it has made you. He knows how your past, that very past that, that you're thinking about right now, has influenced your present. And he wants you to know that if you come to him, it's with open arms. Moses, Moses, I'm not holding your sin against you. I'm not holding your past against you. I'm not holding your baggage against you. And in fact, Moses is about to be invited into this incredible future with God. And the Lord wants to do the same with you. You don't have to be uh, defined by your past. For so long, maybe you've been putting those labels and putting that baggage, carrying it on your shoulders, making it all of who you are, that now in the present, your, your decisions, the way you talk, who you talk with, who you associate with, how you are around your, your family, what you do when you get home, you shut yourself in your room, or you've been wearing those things for so long. You've made it your identity. And with God, that past does not have to be your identity anymore because this side of the cross, Jesus' blood covers our past. It covers our sin. It covers our mistakes. It covers it all. And when God looks at you, he sees you. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he sees you as his son. He sees you as his daughter. First John tells us that, that if that is true of you, if you are one of his children, then you are. You're one of God's children. Some of you wrestle with that so much, this identity of, no, these are the things that I've done. How could this possibly be true about me as part of the kingdom of God? But, but it is. Jesus' blood covers it all. A couple of illustrations uh, uh, to, to maybe help you think through this because you're like, yeah, but, but I, I still deal with that. The, the first one is this. With professional, with professional athletes, I'm getting really dry mouth. Not a professional athlete. Uh, with professional athletes, right, uh, LeBron James, uh, Tom Brady, all right, arguably the best to ever play basketball, the best to ever play football, okay? Part of what makes them great is they have, they have identified themselves as great. Their identity is in, I am, maybe LeBron is like one of the top two players of all time, right? But, but Brady is like one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback of all time. I would say he's the best, right? And they have so bought into that identity, so believed that identity, that even if they lose a game, even if they lose by 40, it doesn't matter. I'm the best. 
They know who they are and it influences how they react. So much so that they spend literally millions of dollars trying to keep their bodies intact as they reach old age because they know they're the best. They want to try to be the best as long as possible. Another illustration of how your identity affects who you are, right? Your family. You are a part of of your, the, the family that you go home to tonight. You are a part of that family, and that means that, that you're not a part of your neighbor's family, to your right or to your left. That means that you're not a part of my family, right? You identify with your family. You are a part of your family. That means you guys do certain things. That means you have a certain last name. You are living into that identity, and nothing, you know, nothing changes that. And so it is, if it is true, and it is. First John tells us that you are a part of the family of God. Then it is true. Nothing can change it. And now it's for us to step in and actually experience it, access it, live like it. So you don't have to be defined by your past. Moses, this is where we're going to stop reading scripture because we are pretty much out of time, right? We're going to keep flying through the rest, uh, not, not quite the rest, but a little bit more of Moses' story. Moses continues this conversation with God at the burning bush, and God, God tells him, hey, I've seen the cry, or I've heard the cries of my people. I've seen the affliction that they are under. I've seen what's happening with them in Egypt, and I have not forgotten. By this time, it's been 400 years, generations that God's people have been enslaved to the Egyptians, generations. And God says to Moses, and it's you that I'm going to use to lead them out. And Moses has all these excuses. He brings before God. He stutters, like, don't you know who I am, God? It it certainly isn't me. God won't. He says, no, you're, you're the one that I have chosen for this. So Moses packs up his things, packs up his family, and goes back to Egypt. Remember I said he thought that he could get away, but eventually he'd return and have to face his past. He returns to Egypt. To people who, yeah, maybe things had changed, and maybe some people had had passed away, or maybe some people had forgotten, but he has to face all of these things from his past once again. Will they call me a traitor? Will they remember that I'm a, a murderer? Will they, will they remember that I lived so much of my life in Pharaoh's household? Will they, will they remember that I was the one baby or one of the very few babies who actually lived during that horrible season for our people? Eventually, you and I will have to deal with our past. No matter how, how far down we think we can bury it, no matter how far away we think we can run with it, you and I will or that we can run from it, you and I will have to deal with our past. And only when you deal with your past will you really be able to move forward into the future that God has for you. Only when you dig in, and maybe even to the point of counseling, or or only when you, you dig in and you actually share something with somebody that maybe you've never shared before. Only when you dig in and say, I'm tired of, of dealing with this sin on my own. Only when you, for the first time, take these things to God and say, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. I've never known what to do with this. Will you help me? You will have to deal with your past, but on the other side of dealing with your past is freedom, is this, this future that God has for you, is life. So many of us, part of the reason that we're not truly experiencing the life that God has for us 
is because we have this past that's never really been dealt with. So you don't have to be defined by your past. You do have to deal with it in some way, shape, or form, but God wants to use it in the end. You know, for all the the things that people could have held against Moses, he was the guy that God chose to lead the people out of Israel or out of Egypt into the promised land. He was the guy that God chose. He he had uh, he had the education, he had the 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 birthright in a sense, like he was one of God's people. He was a Hebrew. He he spent 40 years a, away from Egypt, maybe even getting some form of rest, like he wasn't being uh, uh, enslaved in Egypt, like he was who God had chosen to lead the people to freedom, to lead the Hebrews to freedom. And all of the parts of Moses' past led him and contributed to that goal. And I think that that's, I mean, I've seen it over and over and over again that that's what God wants to do with your past. I've seen time and time again where I'll be counseling some of you in, in my office and maybe it's depression you're dealing with or maybe it's the, the, a broken family or a messed up friendship or bad decisions that you've made in a relationship. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times, I've been doing this now for, for almost, uh, for over 10 years. And I've seen over and over and over again where uh, this time I, I'm having a conversation with somebody in my office, but a couple years later, they're coming back and saying, hey, you know when we talked, now I'm in college and I'm actually telling somebody else, I'm telling my roommate, I'm, I'm helping them navigate that. God's got a purpose in it. He had a purpose in the messed up, crazy, wacky past of Moses and he does have the same for you as well. But, but would you, will you step into it? See, Moses, I think, really started this path of healing when he met God at that burning bush. And actually said yes to joining him and like, hey, I don't know all the details. This burning bush thing is really, really weird to me. Like, there's a lot of questions I have. But okay, I'm in. So for you, if you've, if you've been thinking about, as we talk about rethinking your past, if you're maybe rethinking yours tonight and you're like, yeah, I have been carrying that around. I have been feeling that way. no. I've never told anybody about that. And you're starting to connect the dots of even that thing that you thought you were away from. You're starting to see, wait, yeah, that's, that might have some, some impact on how I'm responding to my parents right now. That might be why I don't feel like opening up to any of my friends. That might be why I'm having all of these questions about who am I in the first place. If you're starting to connect that your past really does affect your present and really can continue to affect your future, then won't you step into this invitation tonight to go before God, share all of those things with Him and let Him do a work. Moses comes to Him at the burning bush and God doesn't hold anything against Him. He says, Moses, Moses. And he does the same for me and you. Final story, uh, and then we'll, we'll close. We'll be done, I pray. There, I was, I, I'm like a podcast junkie. I don't know if any of you guys are that too. 
Uh, I listen to my podcasts at 1.5 speed. I don't get too crazy with it, but uh, 1.5 speed so I can get through them a lot quicker. And um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was the story of a kid who, his words, he was told that, that he had a broken brain. He was five years old when he had like a really serious uh, head injury, like, like head trauma happened to him. And the doctors basically told, told him, told his parents, he, he's got a broken brain and I'm not really sure that he's ever going to come back from it. And so for years, he, he believed it until he was like 10 years old. He believed that's all that I'm ever going to be. That was the label that had been placed on him. And that was the label that he bought into, the identity that he assumed for himself. I'm the kid with, with a broken brain. And then he started to uh, meet people who uh, were, were like in- inspiring him. And, and he actually, interesting enough, inter- interestingly enough, took a lot of inspiration from comic books, which I think is really interesting, and superheroes. And he was like, as a, as a little 10-year-old, imagine this, like, well, what if, I could, what if I could be a superhero? And my superpower was actually like fixing my brain, actually in the end having a super brain. And so he started to go after, even as a 10-year-old, even as a little kid, what would it take to train my brain to not be broken anymore? So he had this messed up past, this label, this identity that was placed on him. But he started to believe maybe there's something, maybe there's something here, maybe there's another way. And so he started to pursue what does it look like to have a healthy brain and and started to go down that path, even in, in college, and all the people that he interacted with, he was trying to learn something from and grow from. And eventually, now here's, here's this kid many years later, and the last thing, if you met him, would be that you think he had a broken brain. He's written books and trained people. He's trained major celebrities how to, how to rehearse lines quicker and how to read a, a book every single week and be able to speed read. He, he's come so far from being the kid with the broken brain. But, but if he had never taken those first steps of maybe I don't have to be trapped in this identity anymore, there's no way that right now he would be the guy that he is today. I, I gotta believe, I gotta think that God wants to do something similar in some of you to where your past right now may be just what people need to hear about in the future. The thing that God uses to bring people from death to life. The people that God uses to bring people just like the Hebrews from trapped, enslaved. All of this, all, all of these things piled on them. They feel like they can never get out, but God uses you, maybe, to set them free. Let me pray for us. God, there are many things that we would change about our past if we could rewrite our, our stories, we'd write them quite a bit differently. Specific decisions, things that we said, things that we wish that we had said, people that we spend our time with, all of the above, God. There's, there's a lot of things that at least I would change. But God, I, I thank you for not, not allowing us, not, not forcing us to be defined by our past. We don't have to let that be our identity but we can find new identity in you as new creations, as people of your kingdom. God, thanks for not holding our past against us. Father, I I pray that if there are people here tonight who, who have been bogged down, who have been trapped, who have been enslaved to their past, would you set them free? Jesus, because of your work on the cross, we can be free.
from our past. May chains break in this room. May our true identities as people of God be taken up tonight. And God, would would we start to see you bring beauty from ashes, bring freedom from enslavement. Would we see you do a work in our hearts, in our community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.